please be advised. Spoiler alert episode. Spoiler. Please be advised. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert episode. Pretty exciting. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini, and welcome to the spoiler alert, spoiler alert episode four, War Machine. War Machine. Spoiler alert episode 57. Anybody listening to us for the new for the first time, for the new time, this is what a spoiler <laughs> alert episode is. So we're going to talk about this one movie, War Machine, and we're going to give away the ending and everything. So if you have not seen this movie, hit the pause button and then go to Netflix and watch it, and you can get... Uh, it is exclusive to Netflix. It yep. is a Brad Pitt vehicle that is exclusive to Netflix. We're going to get into all that. It's, this is yeah. a very unique film for how it's being distributed. Yes. This is, I think, one of the first times that Netflix has... As, well, no, they did Beasts of No Nation. Uh, right. That was a, a, a unique feature film. And they did some theatrical releases with that because they were trying to get some Oscar. I haven't seen any theatrical on this one, though. I think they know that may not be Oscar <laughs> material. <laughs> well, let's introduce our guest. Let's He's been on it. the show before. He's never done a spoiler app. Um, he doesn't see a lot of movies. He doesn't see a lot of movies, <laughs> admittedly. And we're like, let's find a movie that he can watch at home. Yes. And uh, success. He's, success. He's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, he's a friend of mine. He has a very successful uh, podcast and YouTube channel uh, called The Jimmy Dore Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Jimmy Dore. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Can, am I being seen on the camera? Yes. yes. You will be also on the YouTube.com slash How do the tubes work? <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I love that war machine. Let's talk about it. Um, well, first, let's get let's let's. Get into so people who might not be sure who you are, oh. why we picked you specifically for this show, because you have a political YouTube show and you also have a show on the Young Turks. Yes. And so you're, tell us a little bit. Of, well, I'm about a big that. radical, Graham. I don't know if you know. I know I don't look like a radical. I wear comfortable shoes. But um, <laughs> some radicals only wear uncomfortable shoes. No, but and, I found out. Yeah, well, boots. I found. <laughs> Jack boots. Right? Yeah. I, I thought I was. Uh, where do you I, buy I, jack boots? I, by the way, you, you go to the jack store. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't I'm, know jack boots. Well, I, you don't know jack boots, but I do. I get mine through Amazon now. Yeah. Right? Amazon Prime hooked up with jack boots. Use our affiliate code yes. if you're going to buy your jack boots on Amazon. I always and leave it at the door. I don't need you to knock. And uh, so what, I'm a radical, which which means that I couldn't support the two party duopoly anymore, mm-hmm. uh, meaning the Democrats and the Republicans, because they're two parties of war. And I'm for peace. And so I... Pussy. I know. <laughs> and I couldn't support... There was no way to vote against Goldman Sachs. There was no way to vote against more war. There was no way to vote against Big Pharma. There was no way to vote against Wall Street. There was no way to vote against more fracking. So I couldn't support that. And I decided to vote for a Green New Deal. And that turns out that makes you a radical. So I'm a radical because I don't support corporatist warmongers, right? So that's who I am. And I started uh, doing stand-up comedy uh, in the late uh, 30s. And um, <laughs> when I moved to that's Los Angeles. That's where Ad- we met. It was right, yeah. Yeah, it was right then. It was right it was before. It was a WPA right, show. It was right before. It was for a pro-war rally before World War II. Yeah. And, um, you had to have people buy war bonds. That's we right. We could continue. That's right. And uh, Graham had all the chocolate, chocolate and the ladies. Yeah. So <laughs> as he always does. 
<laughs> so anyway, I came out to Los Angeles in 95 to try to get on TV doing comedy, and it worked. I got on TV right away, and I got a, a couple of Comedy Central specials, and, I was, and everything worked out great. And um, then I got hooked up with the Young Turks. They're an online news show, the largest online news show in the world. And I have 5 billion views, over 3 million subscribers. So they got wind of me, and they invited me to guest host, and I did, and they liked me, and their fans liked me. So then they started having me on, and um, I became very popular with the Bernie Sanders supporters. Mm -hmm. And uh, to the uh, so you're a, a woman hating burn, bro. Oh yeah, I'm violent also. <laughs> I like to throw chairs. So uh, so that's how this all happened. So then I started the Jimmy Dore show on YouTube, mm -hmm. and uh, kind of and it's been doing really well. We're up to a quarter million subscribers, and that's just in a little over a year. Yeah, oh, that's great. And you sell T-shirts and jackboots. We do side. sell T-shirts and jackboots. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and, and blackjacks to hit yeah. uh, filthy hippies with. What do they call those in your neighborhood, Graham? Um, <laughs> I grew up in a racist neighborhood, and they didn't call them blackjacks. They had a they had they, they had a different called, name. They yeah. would call n words, n word beaters. That's what they called them in my neighborhood. That's what they were called. Wow. So that's where I grew up, and uh, you didn't want to stay that way. You didn't want to, didn't stay, want to stay that way. So still, you know, not everybody was bad, but everybody used that term. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's where I come from, um, and so I'm very much uh, uh, anti-war. Okay. I'm very much pro-peace, and I'm very much anti-corporate takeover of our go government and our culture, which we're living in right now, a totalitarian state. Well, I think I made a mistake in booking you for this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't, think, I don't think you're going to get the nuances <laughs> I don't, I don't of this think, film. I, don't, I think I picked the wrong guy. <laughs> um, so let's get into the back, uh, yeah. the, the back story about this film. So sure. it's about uh, General McChrystal, so the, the, um, who was appointed by Obama in 09, I believe, to come in, and he went against Obama. Isn't this also based on a book? Yes. Too? Yes, mm -hmm. The Operation. Mm -hmm. and By Michael Hastings is his name? I believe so. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, so, go ahead. Yeah, and so he, but but he came in and was like, I'm going to do it my way, and uh, defied Obama, and then gave this Rolling Stone interview, which I remember reading, where he made fun of Obama and Joe Biden and was done. Yeah. So I, it's I was, so weird that he thought none of that would get printed. No, no, he's not yeah. arrogant. So <laughs> yeah, it's like they were these just uh, cowboy. So they, these cowboy soldiers, right, who wanted to get out of our way and let us complete our mission, type guys, right? Like no matter who, no matter what rules we have to break or who we have to screw over, or we or or what commander in chief we have to disrespect. And they did it in front of a reporter and a reporter for the Rolling Stone magazine, and then he reported it, and that apparently. That just reveals how stupid those guys are. Those guys were dumb. That was a bad tactic. You didn't realize that you're, you're in a war and you're saying this stuff. You're disrespecting the commander in chief in front of a goddamn guy who's sent here from a newspaper called the Rolling Stone. Who's recording it? Yeah, and recording it. <laughs> right. So he was got fired. He got fired. And he should have gotten fired. You're not supposed to do that publicly, right? I got. You know, I'm against every all of them, so I don't care. But so that's that's the story. Right. Right. So that's the story. So that's what this movie is supposed to be about. But what they ended up doing was so uh, uh, Michael Hastings wrote the book, The Operators, which was based on his whole the, 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 he expanded on the whole uh, interview and everything, I believe. And so uh, Brad Pitt's company, Plan B, got the rights to this in 2013. And then what happened is and this goes into this. And he cast film. himself that nepotistic mother. 
Well, this is a problem I have. When we get into honestly, when we get into talking about oh, this no movie, kidding? this is this is the real issue with this film. Oh no, kidding! And I, this this explanation though is explains to me why this movie is uneven. Why I I like right, what it was lay trying. It on, lay it on me, Graham. I liked what it was trying. <laughs> I liked what the movie was trying to say. Obviously, they're saying mm-hmm. the Afghanistan war. We're still there. What the hell's going on? And and the whole the movie. They talk about the the actor that plays the Rolling Stone reporter. He's doing the voiceover. Right, but you don't know who it is until later in the film. You don't know who it is until later, right? So he talks about why insurgencies never, fighting an insurgency never works. Right. And what's the problem with the American military is we still want everything to be like World War II. Right. There's the army. The opposing army, and they have those uniforms, and they've started it, and we're going to fight them, blah, 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 blah. Their tanks, our tanks. And insurgency, they talk about how difficult it is and why this war has been going on forever. We've been in Afghanistan for 16 years. This movie takes place when we are at the eight-year mark. The so, reason why it's so hard to fight an insurgency, one of the reasons, a lot of reasons, one of the reasons is usually if in a regular war like World War II, you, you go to someplace like France, the Germans have invaded, they're sure. wearing Germans, yeah. you know who they are. Yeah, you, you know, but I know it sounds the, silly, but one of the uh, easier ways is uh, uniforms. Yes, uniforms. <laughs> but this way, you go to Afghanistan, you're now the invading army, and they, they're the people who, so now you're trying to kill the people who live there because you side with other people who live there. And that's called a civil war, and we shouldn't be involved in civil wars. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why the the you know the Russians went bankrupt trying to conquer yep. Afghanistan, and now we're going bankrupt trying to conquer Afghanistan. There's nothing to conquer. There's nothing there. No, you go to rocks. you talked about you, you go to Kabul. They have open sewers. Yeah, there's 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 a whole there's a there's a couple of uh, there's a the film of fecal matter over everything. The in dust. Kabul. The dust has. Fecal matter in it. Yes, and it was. They always joked when I was over there that they call it shit dust. Yes. So, so we're. This is the country we're trying to conquer. Right. <laughs> shit I'm, dust. I'm all for. I'm. I'm glad this movie was made. I want to have this story told. But the problem here is in the fact that they then got afraid. Two. Two problems, in my opinion. To tell the truth, they got afraid. They got afraid to. Well, they, we can't say McChrystal, so they changed his name to McMahon because they didn't want to have legal reasons. Now, right. nobody contacted, according to this article that I read, mm-hmm. nobody contacted McChrystal or his people. They, did, they just made it, and he changed his name. And yet also based on the book about him. So it's so like, it's, like just, it's already a mess. Just fucking do it. Either do it about McChrystal or not because that or, was the Or problem. make it a satire that looks nothing like a specific person. Right, because that was my problem is— there's some heavy, serious moments in this movie that are like really poignant, and I was like, "Oh, it's completely uneven." That's what the book is, right? But mm-hmm. then when Brad Pitt is going, rawr, "I'm gonna," and he's doing like and a sketch a, character and, and a weird walk, he's doing like, that yeah. crazy run around with his arms. I'm like, it, it felt like Brad Pitt was in a different film than what everyone else was shooting. And one of the reasons too is when you get into movies like this, they're basically, um, you know, these are kind of. Not necessarily passion projects, but they're they're definitely driven by the star. I mean, Brad Pitt drove company. this movie. It's his company. He got the sixty his million movie. dollars to get it made. He, I'm sure, he had final say over the director, over scenes, everything. I'm sure he was the one that everyone listened to on set, including uh, Netflix. Probably just said, you know, here's the budget, make your movie. And what this movie was just so uneven. And one of the problems was, if you watch the trailer, it looks like almost like a Coen Brothers satire. Which right. where you have like almost like a um, 
uh, like a Doctor Strange love. That's what it felt like to me when I saw the trailer. When I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, there's a couple moments like that in the movie, but then there's not. There's some serious stuff. There's some stuff that's trying to be funny. There's some comedy that falls very flat. And then there's also like these weird uneven tone where we don't know where the movie is supposed to be going or what it's supposed to be doing. Uh, well, all right. So let's so let's <laughs> So Jimmy, you don't what do you, you don't agree with that? What did you no, think? I think the, the problem is you guys watch too many fucking movies. <laughs> <laughs> and there so is you're, that. You're, you have the inability to enjoy a nice performance by Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I, I, I literally had the exact opposite reaction that you guys had. In fact, I did a live show where I, I, I referenced this movie and Brad Pitt, and I said, hey, Brad Pitt, turns out he's a good actor. Who knew? Right? Like, I, he's always just pretty. He's, every time I see him, he's just being pretty. But this time he wasn't. He was trying to be ugly. And he, I, I, I found it very believable. He reminded me of my uncle who was also a, he was a Marine. So he's, I don't know, he's an Army guy, he's right? He's an Army guy, yeah. So my uncle was a Marine, but he had that weird kind of walk. He had a hip that was messed up. And, mm-hmm. and he, never, he never wore deodorant. He showered three times a day. He was one of those guys. I don't wear ants for women. I don't wear deodorant. What am I, a woman? You know, so it reminded me. <laughs> So his case, his portrayal of this guy, and it was it showed how his his thinking was perfect inside of a box, but it couldn't get outside that box. And if you got outside that box, meaning he couldn't see the forest for the trees. And that's true. So he all he saw was trees. I'm a I'm a lumberjack. There's trees. Let's go cut them down. And let's go cut down uh, the trees that are in the hardest place to reach to show people how badass we are as lumberjacks. And that's what all the frickin' generals do. And it really, to me, it really exposed the banality of evil, not like like a like a lot of films can. Mm-hmm. And it didn't have to it didn't have to get gruesome in a sense in the way like Private Ryan did, where you had to look away from the screen. Mm-hmm. This way, you could keep your eyes on the screen, and you just saw the empty of what war and especially this war is all about it also well, felt like too like you know you weren't like they weren't sure how to portray this character like the Brad Pitt like at well, sometimes he looked he was just like a, a bumbling egotistical buffoon and then other times it felt like he had moments of great insight so it was interesting we're like well wh- which is it what how are you gonna portray him in the next scene like it felt like each scene sometimes didn't match the scene before that's it. the thing and I think I think Jim all the points that 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 were made that you got I got all those points and I did like that my problem is is I wish they would have picked one or the other either go Dr. Strangelove and just go like yeah we watched way too many movies but yeah, yeah go full satire or or do it like Apocalypse Now showed the insanity of the Vietnam War and it showed it in a really heartbreaking, oh my God way. And, and the hopelessness of this general's job. And the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. So show me, show me the thing. Like it's a great point that you made, Jimmy, of how he was like, he's great in this traditional battlefield. He's a great strategic general, but this is not, we're not in this war. And you just see him butting up against that at every turn. I just was then because I, I like Brad Pitt. I, th- I actually think he's a very good actor. This was just felt like him playing. It felt like he was wearing an outfit versus being this person to me. But it seemed, um, uh, I see what you're saying on that. And at first it felt like that, but I felt like he really committed to it, especially when he was jogging. It reminded me of my uncle. And I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, he's even jogging like that guy. So that actually was the, I had the opposite effect on me. It actually cemented his character to me. Um, I really, there's a couple of parts in the movie that really, 
it's it's it, like if you see crimes and misdemeanors, it shows th- that people have different sides to them, right? right. Sure, no, of course. Mm-hmm. So that's what to me, like mm-hmm. one scene didn't match the next. It was showing you different sides to this guy who's complicated. Even a guy who's ju- all he knows is cutting trees down or you know war, mm-hmm. uh, and how to. I love what they said at the at the beginning of the film. There's two kinds of generals: the generals that are always questioning what they're doing and if they're wrong and if they're not, and the guys who never question anything. Who do you think rises to the top? Right. It's those guys, right? It's the guys who never question themselves, those guys who don't have those problems. And it's, so this was about those guys. Those guys are the guys who run our goddamn wars. Right. And it showed this guy to be kind of lost in his own life. Well, I will so say he, Anthony Michael Hall was hilarious in it. it <laughs> yeah. It, the whole movie, uh, there was lots of funny parts in it, but it did show this guy to be lost in his own life. He didn't know how to have a relationship with his own wife. Right. He didn't mm-hmm. know how to he didn't know how to manage his own life. You could see that. Right. That's what I saw. And he didn't he didn't know he kind of I felt like he sensed he was missing a connection to life and the only way he could get it was to become a bigger warrior like I'm going to try and find myself by becoming mm-hmm. a bigger warrior and once I show everybody that I can do this in Afghanistan in the hardest part of Afghanistan the place that no one ever thought they could conquer I'm going then I will show everybody who I am and he will become fully actualized as a person yeah, that's what I think he was doing it, and but it showed you that that's never going to happen because right. you never. Never. But to to try to conquer this part of Afghanistan means killing the people who live there. They showed them killing the people who live there, and they showed the, the the most poignant thing when they were going on that first mission, right? And they're all and the one guy says, the "What Marines. the?" The Marine goes, "How am I supposed to tell the people who live there from the people we're fighting?" And he asked Brad Pitt, and Brad Pitt just gave him some bullshit answer, and everyone knows it's bullshit. Brad Pitt leaves. He leaves it to his second in command to now rally these troops. And the second in command says, we are part of the greatest fighting machine this world has ever known. And it just seemed so disgusting. It's like, yeah, you're a great fighting machine. For what? So you can go fucking kill some people in the poorest part of the world? And that's, you're going to go kill some kids today. That's what you're going to do. You're the greatest fighting machine and you're being abused by your leaders. And that's what that showed me. And they fucking knew they were. Well, that's the thing. That scene... That's where I the, those scenes to me that's were the most. That's where the tone powerful. shifts. That's where the tone shifts, mm-hmm. and that's where I wish the movie would have lived. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I wish. Yeah. They, I, think, I wish. I think it would have been more effective because because you talk about um, uh, I forget his. You just mentioned his name, the uh, Anthony Michael Anthony Hall. Anthony Michael Hall, yeah. As, as this that like, that guy was so believable. He right. was believable to all of the. Yes, generals and officers I've met in Iraq and Afghanistan. Yes, right. I was like, wow. You don't want to be around that guy when he's in a temper, and you yeah. know he's going to be uh, hard to blow off steam. I remember being in Iraq and talking to a guy like that, the comedians, and they're doing the thing. That, you know, they, you've done it. They, the comedian, you get to the base and they show you around the base, and oh wow, and this is where we do this and this, and the show will be at oh eight hundred or whatever the fuck they say. You know, twenty hundred hours or whatever. And I remember talking to this one, he was clearly did not give a shit about us comedians. He was about protecting his guys. He was a, he was a lifer. He was like a sergeant major or whatever. So he was a top NCO and those guys are a little more tough Mm -hmm. or rough. Yeah. And I remember going, so, so, uh, how long are you, are are you here? Like I, it's just a small talk. I say, oh, I got nine more months or whatever they'd say. And And he turns to me and he goes, when we're done. Ah! And I was like, all right, you got it, you got it. So that's the thing I liked. I wish the movie would have lived more in that place because that scene you're talking about 
where that kid is asking real questions. Yes. Right. And he's not, it's at first when the kids start asking questions, I'm like, are they really making this a, a Marine, a hippie? Because th- there's no such thing. Mm-hmm. Then you found, then the kid keeps talking and he goes, because sir, you're telling me to have compassion, whatever that bullshit right. say- saying they said, you're yep. supposed to have compassion and engagement or whatever. Yes. And he goes, I'm a Marine. You, we have we have guns. That Marines, that's what Marines do. Right. They fucking kill shit. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're telling me you train me to kill shit. You give me all these weapons to kill shit. You drop me here, surrounded by the enemy, and then you say, I gotta, I don't know who yeah. the fuck looks like what. Basically, right. they said, give this character all the subtext of the film. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. Have and it was and great. And then so it. when they yeah. went into that village, and sure as shit, sure as shit, they come under fire, mm-hmm. and you see the the insanity of this war. In that scene, so uh, they go and, in, they, and they and they initiated the conflict. Of by the way, so just keep that in mind. They they're the ones who initiated the conflict in someone else's country, in someone else's neighborhood that's in a mountain, right? And, and you, which is hey, does that sound like the hist- how this country started? And <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, shut up, hippie. eminent domain. Uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. So they go in there. And they see a guy just running, and he st- he squeezes off a couple rounds, and then the sergeant goes, "Hey, he didn't have a weapon in his hand. Rules of engagement." He's like, "Jesus," which is of course what the guy would do. Right. If wherever anyone listening to this lives, if a bunch of fucking armored vehicles came rolling through with weapons, cocked and ready to go, you'd be a little nervous. You might be a little nervous. Yeah. I got pulled over by a cop for jaywalking, and I was scared. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. That scene, and then they get into that crazy firefight, and it was like real. And it was a they they the, David Mashad, the director who did Animal Kingdom, and he did the Rover, which are two movies. I, I, two I, very bleak movies. Blake, not not a heavy on the satire. This on is those where movies. I think the mistake of a not just saying this is McC- we're doing McChrystal's story, we're doing the book, the operation. It felt right. like almost Brad Pitt said, "Well, I want to. I want to make it lighter. I want to make it lighter. I want to do it this way." And Mashad was like. <laughs> what am I going right, to well, argue with yeah, Brad Pitt? I don't, I don't who got get, me a $60 million movie? I don't want to get fired like the Han Solo guys. Because that scene with the Marines, like, <laughs> <laughs> that scene with the Marines in that village, that felt like a David Mashad movie. Right. That mm-hmm. was intense. That was what, real. What were the movies he does? He did this movie, Animal Kingdom, which was Joel Edgerton's breakout movie. Yeah, yeah, it's th- a these movie. are really bleak, oh, dark Australian, movies. low budget. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So Animal Kingdom is a movie I highly recommend watching because it shows like a... a, a crime family in australia it's very it's it's has a lot of similarities to any sort of crime family story but it's unique to australia and the, ro- the rover is post-apocalyptic uh australia the guy oh, looking okay. for his car <laughs> okay so that scene and then when the, the soldier that was asking the questions earlier says fuck this and goes out yeah and they of course they there's two guys on a roof shooting at him so they rocket the shit out of it they blow it up with grenades and then he goes there and there's a there's a man holding his son with his like dead wife or child or whatever. Another kid who was dead, blown up. Another kid who was dead, and you're like, and you see, the ridiculousness of this. That was the one scene. And then when Brad Pitt came in, they give this guy money, and Brad Pitt gives this bull. That was the scene. I was like, there. Yeah. I wish, Brad Pitt as an actor would have lived in that scene because that scene where he gets on his knee and he gives all these bullshit platitudes. platitudes Right. That scene was like, and that to me was like really helped sum up the whole 
the ridiculousness of the Afghanistan war there, will blow you up. But because so, Jimmy, if, if somebody blew up your house and, and, and killed my wife, killed your wife and then gave you 20 grand. I'd be all right with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, she's in the room. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so but and one of the things that, as you're saying, like that would have been a much darker, bleaker film if it stayed there, because there were some satirical parts. But the satirical parts, because of these other scenes, felt more flat to me. Uh-huh. Like one of the ones was, uh, and it worked better in the trailer than the movie, is like when he's talking on the phone, it's like, no, 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 finish your call. The war can wait. Like that, if that's shot correctly, that's a great satirical right. moment in a, in a movie. But then when you actually see it in context in the film, like, oh, that, that kind of fell flat. But one of the things that stuck out for me a lot as in a st- satirical vein, and it really kind of hit home for me was... The policies, the American Oof. foreign policies, like uh, just with the poppies, like is like, well, why are we growing heroin? It's like, well, you, we can't. Well, why can't they grow something else? Well, it can't compete against any other crop in the United States. Oh yeah, uh, cotton United can States. grow Co- here. Yeah, cotton grow, but but uh, we can't compete with any other any any other product in the United States. So uh, then, we, oh, so then we're growing drugs. Like, oh, okay. And, and like, everyone just kind of Another accepts that. Another bullshit war. Yeah. Everyone, yep. everyone just kind of accepts that. And, the, and like, but the, but the satire of that is hilarious because it's so ridiculous, but it's based in actual true facts. So this is where, again, the, the movie just went in two kind of different directions. Like, you're presenting these kind of ridiculous facts satirically, but then you're also presenting them in a very dark and bleak I still light. think, I really think you guys are being too critical of the yeah. movie. It still works. It's a movie podcast. It still, yeah. it still totally works. As a movie, it still totally works. You get the point. Mm. Uh, maybe it doesn't land as hard as you'd like, but I don't think anything was like um, awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the performances I thought were fantastic, including Brad Pitt's. I know you guys don't like it, but... I don't. I never saw him break. I did see him be different. You know, he was different with his wife. He was different when he went to try to drum up support in Europe. He was different when he was talking to his soldiers. He was different when he was giving that guy money. He was a little different. You saw these different parts mm-hmm. of the guy. I liked that he always kept his eye closed. That one eye. <laughs> what a choice like to do Popeye. that. Right? It was so well. Let's talk about the whole Europe. What did you think, Jimmy, of the the Europe segment? So he has to go to Europe because Obama, because he leaked it. He wanted 40,000 more troops. Right. He deliberately leaks it. So Obama then gives him 30,000. He's got to go get the other 10,000 from the coalition. Right. So so he goes to to try to get it and it, it to me you know it, it was it was like that was like their mash part of the movie, right? Where look at he's going to be, you know, um he's not going to follow protocol. He's going to be his own self and whatever. It showed, I think, well, I'm trying to remember exactly, but it, to me it showed the, um, our kind of, the, the Western world's disinterest in these wars, right? Like, mm-hmm. we don't really give a F, and okay, well, here's 10 more thousand people, go kill some people over, okay. It was like, no one really is engaged, there's no, uh, we're not connected to it. That's what I saw. I saw West, right. the Western world not being connected to the Afghanistan war, and how it's all a big game anyway, That, like you just said. Oh, I'll leak it, I'll get 30, you gotta go get 10 more, and for what? And then when he gets back there, he get right. He gets back there. He gets his goddamn troops. And what is it for? It's all for nothing. Also, we can go kill somebody's kid, achieve absolutely nothing, and pay some money. But we get to have PTSD spread around all our soldiers. Yeah, and people coming home with. with I hit a car. I hit a dog with my car. And it's literally, I know uh, it still bothers me a lot. Like, it bothers me. Like, I like it. I feel guilty when I enjoy the comfort of my dog sometimes now. Mm-hmm. 
And I can't imagine if I was a soldier who killed a kid, you know, and that happens all the time. And those guys, how, how could they possibly, I couldn't cope with running over a dog. How could they possibly cope with killing another human being for absolutely no reason? Oh, yeah. And you saw the, 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 the ridiculousness of it in terms of like, oh, the Greeks, we have seven soldiers here. So that was like how yeah. the, the, the U.S. in forming this coalition strong-armed all these countries. Right. And these countries were like, okay, we'll give you literally. We'll give you a few. I'll give you five guys. <laughs> so, and then they then they put this thirty-two nation coalition. I even bought one of the shirts the first time I was there when I was in Kandahar, and it's got all these flags on mm-hmm. it. And and even when they well, go, well, that extra ten came from Europe though for the surge, right? He got the troops. Well, yeah, yeah but he but, did get them. But they said they won't leave the base, right? <laughs> So literally, and I remember being on bases in certain armies, and they'd they, be like, "And they never left. They I, never left. Yes. They were like these. Oh, those guys got wine. The Italian troops got wine. Like, were, they got wine. I thought there were French troops one time when I was in Afghanistan, and I was like, well, they don't even fucking speak English. How are you guys going to fight with them? Like, how does that work? I guess it works somehow. Well, they didn't. I guess they, they didn't fight. They didn't fight. They yeah, said, that's, they that's what happened. They didn't fight. Right. They were like in charge of yeah other things. Yeah, but not of only that. But I real <laughs> the wine the dinner. They should be in front. They they could have. They had the locals cooking dinner, which was horrible. I couldn't believe how bad the food was. What I was. I know that sounds funny. I'm in Afghanistan. Food's right. not good. <laughs> really? I blame, I blame Halliburton. We're saying, mm-hmm. hey, where's your little Italy? <laughs> you guys got a Chinatown here? There's no food court. I got to get some dim sum up here right away. <laughs> anyway, so I overall, yeah, the movie was not perfect. Was it an was it The Godfather? No, but I think it it I'm in a sense I'm glad it didn't stay in that place the whole movie because it would have been too emotionally disturbing for me. I'm glad that they went to Europe. I'm glad that they, you know, showed the other sides of Brad Pitt and they didn't, they tried to be satirical and all that stuff. And I'm glad that they didn't spend too much time there because it is just too over. I mean, there's a lot of times I don't cover, like I don't cover cop stories, uh, shootings that much anymore in my show because it's emotionally too draining and overwhelming for me. And it's just like, I have to, when I cover the wars, I have to cover them like sporadically. I can't, it's too much for me emotionally and I'll get I will get too depressed and I'll start hating humanity. Right. Like how we're still doing this. We're still letting this happen. Barack Obama took two wars and expand them into seven. We kill 90 percent of the people killed with drones are civilians. We don't give a shit. And this has got nothing to do with freedom. This has got nothing to do with liberty. We're not fighting them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. We're fighting them over there to enrich a handful of people. That's why we're fighting them over there. Why are we in Syria? We're in Syria because they want to send a pipeline through Syria. That's why we're in Syria. And Russia sells fossil fuels to Europe, and that's why they're on the side of Syria, and they don't want that pipeline. We want the pipeline. That's what it's all about. We are we are arming and training the people in Syria that we are trying to kill in Mosul. Well, that's the thing. That's why. So you're a radical, you said? Yeah, that makes me a radical. Wow, you don't want to kill civilians. How are your shoes? We're literally (laughs) arming and funding ISIS and the Al Qaeda in Syria. Mm -hmm. That's not. That's admitted by the CIA on page eighty thousand of the Washington Post. It has been admitted. It's been printed in mainstream news publications that they are training ISIS and Al Qaeda. They call them different names, but we all know Al Nusra. It's all the the Levant, ISIL, Daesh. it's all the same thing. They were the CIA's money was being spent in Jordan to train those guys so they can overthrow Assad. Not because Assad is a butcher or a worse guy than the people we're in bed with, like Saudi Arabia. 
the the reason why is because he doesn't want to have a pipeline go through his country from Saudi Arabia and Qatar. Yeah, wow, you're right. Jimmy was a good choice for this movie. <laughs> I knew exactly what I was doing. Um, but the point, the, the thing is, yeah, I mean, we're obviously more critical, but we don't have to get along. It's fine on this movie. But I do. I the, my I, I agree that I'm glad they made it because I think. And if, it's interesting it ended up like not in the movie theaters by Paramount or, or anywhere. It ended up on a streaming service. And it's one of the ways that the streaming services are disrupting the TV and uh, the movie businesses. So tell me about and it's that. Important, and it's important because it's disrupting it because, to, to your point of, and overall, I, I, I am glad they made this movie to get people to understand how ridiculous it is. And going back to the Europe scene, I'm glad they did the Europe scene, too. Although, when they're like on the party bus, mm-hmm. I understand that was in the Rolling Stone thing, mm-hmm. that they were drinking too much. Just the way they depicted it again, I... I just was like, it, this got too wacky for but, me. But but, the, but they movie, had to sh- they had to show the Europe thing to show you, it what to show you what this war is. It's not justice. They're just business guys that got to go get investors. That's what that right. was. That's, yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. So so you had to see that they fly there in their fucking private jet. Yeah. <laughs> and this movie easily could have been made by a big studio and had a big theatrical release. And but no, it, this this went to one streaming service exclusively. And so is that good or bad? I think so it's good. It, it's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing because you think what, more people saw it because of that. Yes. So I think so. And it, it would be out of the theaters by now. Oh, okay. And it's, and you'd have to wait till it comes. Right. Back. Now you can watch this movie. It drives subscriptions. And also, there's not, like Graham's saying, there's not a time, oh, I, I wanted to see that movie in the theater. I missed it. No, it's it's available. You can watch it anytime. And because it's an exclusive on Netflix, there's not a licensing arrangement where, all right, well, in six months, we're going to lose it. Uh-huh. So it lives there. Oh, so you can watch okay. it anytime. Ever. And if they, if they thought that it might be able to get some Oscar... Buzz, like if it got great critical reviews, it, which it's been, it's gotten mixed reviews. If it got it overwhelming, would get a, it would get what's called a qualifying run. They re- release it in the theaters to qualify to get Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. They did that with Beasts of No Nation, which is another. That movie's really right. powerful, and it shows you how insane Africa is, and um, how violent and how horrible it is for children. Uh, but this this movie, I think, in terms of all Netflix has been doing is disrupting stuff, and. I'm glad they made... With executives, too, by the way. They've actually been pulling executives from the studios, too, and paying them more money, and then the studios have actually less executives. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, they've been been basically headhunting them. And this is the reason from a financial standpoint... Paying them more money. (laughs) Yeah, well, they're they're spending a lot of money, so they're spending $60 million to get a movie like this made because they know that it's harder to get people out to the theaters. You're a case in point. I am a case in point. I don't like going to theaters. Yeah, I, I don't like sitting next to people who are talking. I don't like. I don't like the whole thing. If I go to a movie, it's got to be at one in the afternoon, and it's got to be an art house or whatever, and there's going to be no one there. I remember the first time I moved to LA, uh, where, where I didn't know I couldn't get stage time. As we all, and when you get here, it's hard to get stage time. And so I went to the first time in five years. I went to a movie on a Friday night. I was like, "Well, I'll go to a movie." <laughs> This is the worst fucking thing I ever did oh, in my yeah. life. There was people on both sides of me. Like there was a, the whole theater was full. I was like, I am never ever doing this. People getting up, going back. I was like, what the f? This is the worst experience. And that so that well actually that helped me because then I was like determined I'm going to get stage time somewhere. I'm never going because there's nothing to do. There's nothing to do with your life, and you can't be a comedian. That's how I felt. Well, yeah, I and mean, we 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 all learned on the road. We all went to movies during the during day, the day. Yeah. during the week when there's six people in the theater. That's the. Yeah. 
I remember the first time. I go dad time. I go Friday morning at 11 a.m. That's when I see movies. Oh, yeah. Good <laughs> for you. That's Kids what are in people... camper in, in school, and then, okay, and it's it's me, a couple bloggers, and a bunch of old people. I remember it. I went to a movie on a Friday night. I'd been on the road like 40 weeks a year and finally had a weekend off and was like, all right, let's go to a movie. And we got there with a friend, and they're like, you got, it was like Friday night, and they're like, you bought the tickets in advance, right? I go, nah, I would just walk up. <sighs> and everything was sold out. And they're like, fuck, it's Friday night. Uh, I was like, oh, I, that's I, didn't know, I forgot how it works. I didn't know you had to, I always just walk up. I didn't know you had to pre Look at that. That's another reason why I'll never go to a movie. But let's talk about the ending of this film. Because... But I got to tell you also, let me just really quickly say, I think your expectations uh, of a movie really affect how you enjoy a movie. Oh, for sure. For mm-hmm. instance, the one of the one of the times I did go to a movie theater was they had the $2 theater on the uh, Fairfax and Beverly. I remember, yeah. And so they were showing that awful movie Waterworld, right? This is what was mm-hmm. it 97 whatever mm-hmm. that was. And so that had been roundly panned. So I was like, well, I'm going to go see it for 2 bucks. I don't give a right. shit. So I smoked a joint, I got 2 bucks. And I go to see it. And uh, it was great, right? Because yeah. I didn't really, I thought it was going to be horrible. And the parts that were horrible were funny. So it was, it was, I was able to enjoy it. So I walked out of there enjoying myself because I didn't feel ripped off. I spent two bucks. Right. Right. So my expectations were different. And, and that really, if you, if you, I think people should try to erase their expectations every time they go to see a movie. Of course, you can't do that. But that would help you enjoy movies. Like, I think your expectations for this movie were different. And so when you saw the movie, it, you, I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I want to highly recommend the movie. I think people will enjoy the movie. I think that there are flaws in the movie, but it's still really worth seeing. Don't you? Mm-hmm. I think it's worth seeing for the message and that there are some really powerful scenes. And great performances. There are some great performances. It's also worth seeing, too, just for the business behind it, just to see um, Netflix kind of disrupt the way, you know, big budget movies are being made like you would expect oh well you know a, a streaming service they'll just make indies or acquire stuff i'm like no they're they put their cards on the table where we've got a will smith movie giant movie coming up where we gave adam sandler a bunch of money to make oh, movies no kidding they're we doing uh that. we oh, did yeah. brad you know and we let brad pitt make it whatever movie he wanted for us well, and they, it's going to live here they understand mm-hmm. that it's all about subscriptions so they just need exclusive content they need shows like House of Cards and Orange is the New Black or Stranger Things so, that you have to get through them. Right. And now they're they're starting to do that with more films and they're spending more money for them. So so I, I think I, it's about time that they produced a late night political comedy show to compete with Bill Maher. <laughs> I don't know who we got to talk to over at Netflix, but it's about time. I mean, you know, I'm not that Bill Maher doesn't do a good job, but there's another voice out there that needs to be heard. I mean, he's not really fulfilling. He's been a millionaire for about 30 years, and that's not who you should be getting your political comedy from. <laughs> he is the 1%. That's who you want to get your fucking comedy from? So I've been a blue-collar guy knocking you know, my, my head against the wall for a long time. I think Netflix should step up. I'm selling out uh, comedy clubs and theaters now. It's about time we did a show together. Well, all right. I think that's, that a good, that's a good it's a good thing. But also <laughs> you, you got Netflix just... execs that listen to the show, correct? Oh, of course, all the time. Mm-hmm. You could also just fucking circumvent them, Jimmy. That's what you're doing on YouTube. I'm kind of just... doing it. I'm going right to YouTube with my live shows and people loving it. Yeah, you <laughs> are. Just, that's the other thing. Talk <laughs> about disrupting. Yeah. You know, well, bef- I didn't have a gate, so that, yeah. Before no, YouTube, no gatekeeper. Before YouTube, mm-hmm. the only way for any of us to get on TV and build a following was if a network allowed us. Right. Comedy Central had to give you a show or HBO or right. whomever, and now no, we just hook up cameras. We have cameras on this show, 
And so this right. is this is going out. I just decided from being on your show and pissed off about the election to start talking into my iPhone. And now I got a political show. That's right. And you can grow this and you, you, you've grown this amazing thing. And I think that's the key. Like, I think uh, I, I wouldn't say no to any network offering me. Of course, I wouldn't say no to any of them. But me personally, I'm not going to pursue them because... They're going to come in and give you notes and can't say yeah, this. Yeah, I know. That's the say... horrible part, right? That's exactly. All the shit you say on your show, you can you can say whatever you want on your show. That's right. I love it. And no one's and there's no I way. I don't have to bring on Ice Cube so I can apologize to him. I don't yeah. have to do that shit. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I do want to talk about the ending of this film mm-hmm. because- I don't even remember the ending. So the ending of this film is he obviously, he gets called in. Oh, the, the phone call comes. You know this is coming. Oh, right. The phone call comes. Obama's the article because yeah. the article gets yeah. printed in right. Rolling Stone. Here's that they meeting read... with Obama that you've always wanted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they know it's coming. They know it's coming. First, you see his staff get all mad and start to infight. And why did you let this Rolling Stone guy with him? And and it's funny because nobody took responsibility for the fact of like. There's a reporter in our midst. You acted like a jackass. Why did you guys think a reporter was going... From Rolling Stone, no less. He wasn't from Fox News. Right. Right. He was from Rolling Stone. What did you think he was going to do? And then um, they, they... There's a great voiceover dialogue from the Rolling Stone reporter saying they didn't... You know, basically saying they didn't learn. It's very poignant because we know... Eight years later, the war is still going on. 16 years, thousands of hundreds of thousands of lives on both sides. They just sent 4,000 more troops there yeah. last week, so that should fix everything. Yeah, four. that's what they're going to do. So now Trump is allowing the Pentagon to set troop levels instead of the president, the commander-in-chief, setting troop levels. And so the Pentagon immediately ordered 4,000 more. I'm like, So that's a million dollars a year per soldier, just so you know. That's how much it costs in Afghanistan. It's a million dollars per soldier per year. So medical costs, food, all of it, Housing, all the support that those, they uh-huh. need. They got to they got to ship bottled water every time he drinks mm-hmm. a glass of water. It's going to be shipped in. So, so um, I don't know what my point was. Now I got started. so they, so again. They, yeah. So they just started. They sent four thousand more troops there last week for what? For what? And for that's what? that's the end of the film that I like. Is is it is there is making a commentary on that today that the war is not ending. Nothing has happened. And this is just one general that's going to get replaced, and yep. then it's going to get replaced after that. It's just going to be a long string of replacements. Because well, in reality, it's uh, like Ma- Murphy Brown's secretary. <laughs> <laughs> but in reality, <laughs> McChrystal was replaced <laughs> by by. <laughs> I know. No one knows what the fuck. A lot of Murphy Brown us. that was listeners. <laughs> But no, McChrystal was then replaced by Petraeus, by yes. Petraeus, who who then gave away secrets for 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 a, to a hot chick who yeah. was who he wanted to lay. Yeah, and he had and he had an email server and yeah. classified information like in his place. Yeah, he did worse stuff than than Chelsea Manning did because he gave away actual top secret shit. Chelsea Manning, when none of that was top secret. Right. So yeah, what he did was way worse, and he got a slap on the wrist because if you're in the establishment and you're lying and cheating at the behest of the establishment, there's never a price to pay. So no. there's no price to pay for him. In fact, they were thinking of making putting him back in the government. Right. Of course. So Chelsea Manning was in prison for seven years. Yes. So that's the ending, and and they are sort of making that point, um, and then they they have uh, Russell Crowe 
he got replaced by Bob, and it's the, they just shot, and this is this is I like. And Russell Crowe did a cool walk too. He did a cool walk. Yeah. So then Russell Crowe, it's his team of guys, yeah, and they think right. they're gonna we're gonna shake it up, yeah. we're yeah. gonna change mm. things, and no, you're not, no, you're not, not when you're fighting in a, a war. And they they talk about it's, and and going back to the scene in Europe, um. What Where Tilda Swinton interrupts him as the German Oh, politician. right. I remember that. Yeah. So he's doing this thing. He's giving this speech. Um, uh, Brad Pitt is. And he goes, you have 10 insurgents. You kill two. Does that mean you have eight? No. You have now 20 insurgents because they tell their friends and right. their friends and their friends. Right. And it's like. Well, that was a moment of insight. Yeah, was... a great moment mm-hmm. of insight. And that's why after 16 years and $2 trillion, you would think terrorism would be done, right? right. We ended it? It's over? <laughs> oh, no. We keep creating more because every time we kill civilians, of course, you're going to join. I would. And there, and and there's the thing that bothers me the most, I guess, is that we have no political voice that's against this. This is we're just wasting money. People, we have the biggest income disparity since the Gilded Age. Half the uh, half of all wage earners in America earn less than thirty thousand dollars. In the richest country the face of the earth has ever seen, record profits at Wall Street and corporations making record profits. So is the military-industrial complex, and no one is asking for us to end these wars. No one. In fact, Trump is cutting medicine for people and adding fifty-five billion dollars onto our military budget for missiles that we don't need. Meanwhile, Russia, who everyone pretending is our now existential threat, they spend $55 billion total on their military every year. They have a lower GDP than South Korea. Just so you know, this is all propaganda by the military-industrial complex, and that's what's keeping these wars going. That war has been going on since 2001. Do you know next year people will be going in to fight in that war that weren't even fucking born when it started? That's how we're in an endless war. So what has actually happened is George Orwell has come to life, we're living it, and no one seems to give a shit. (laughs) Double plus good. And that's the kind of stuff you get on the Jimmy Dore Show, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's why I love doing on it. On the Young Turks Network. And the, uh, well, Jimmy Dore right. shows on Young Turks, right? Yes. And also Aggressive Progressive. That's right. I do Aggressive Progressives for the Young Turks. That shows up on their main channel, and it's a paywall show for if you become a member. I do the Jimmy Dore Show, which is on the Young Turks Network. And every once in a while, they still invite me to do their main show panel, even though they didn't like that I didn't vote for Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's uh so that's getting sure back you're forgiven yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not i'm not forgiven especially since uh you know i i speculated about her health and people didn't enjoy that <laughs> but i think if you know if you're a, if you're a candidate and you fall down f- off on your face and then you lie about what's wrong with you for 10 hours i think we get to guess we get to guess what's wrong with you. If you lie for 10 hours, we get to guess. <laughs> right? So people should be upset with that they lied for 10 hours, but they're not. They're upset that I was guessing why they were lying. So, <laughs> And I would suggest... An, an, lying for 10 hours. I would suggest <laughs> lying for 10 hours. We've lied for hundreds of hours on this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but... I would suggest watching War Machine. Yes. Especially oh, good. if I'm you're- good to hear you guys say that. No, I, oh, I, yeah, definitely recommend it. Well, definitely recommend it. We're very hard on films because we watched way too many. Yeah, It's like watching stand-up comedy. But it's, it's You know what I mean? Like, you, you just can't, you just, we it, just can't- It's seeing for a number of reasons, for sure. Yes. Yeah. You but, know, and, and I don't see, you know, 10 movies a, a week, so- uh, so for someone like me, it's, it was a perfect movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it's it's entertaining. There's good acting, and it makes great points. And there's great commentary on this war that has been going on for maybe, 16 years. Maybe we should he, have Jimmy watch Transformers. <laughs> we can't do that to him. He'll never come on the show again. <laughs> I can't watch stuff like what's that show on HBO that I can't watch? Game of Thrones. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm watching it, so stuff's like, you should watch this. That. I'm like, okay. And then all of a sudden, a dragon shows up. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. There's a dragon. See, that was that was Brad Pitt's voice for me. It was like, a dragon. You know, and he's running around <laughs> with the crazy arms. But I was like, it's a dragon. No, there running actually around. is a guy who could talk like that. There <laughs> isn't a fucking dragon who flies. As far as you know. My Let's uncle, see. my uncle mm-hmm. talks like Brad Pitt and walks and runs <laughs> like him. Well, then he talks like a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> So that's why I can't right. do that. I can't. Although I did watch Iron Man and had no trouble with it. Yeah, right, Iron Man was there you fun. Go. The first one. Yeah, yeah. Second one, everything was downhill. Right, any final it. thoughts on the film? I, I'd say watch it, and I would say um, it's it's. I would read this book. I would if you don't know enough about what happened with McChrystal, I would either before or after the film. It made me interested in reading the book for sure. It really fills in a lot mm-hmm. uh, for the movie. I, I because it is. This is based on a real thing and a real person that happened. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, um, you know, Harmed Karzi is played by, uh, what's his ben name? Kingsley. Ben, ben oh, Kingsley. Right? So he's playing such, an actual guy. Such a great depiction. I forgot we even talk about that. I know. So it just, sh- again, it shows you the, I don't know if I'm using the term correctly, but the banality of evil, meaning look at all the horrific evil that's coming out of, and this guy is just a jerk off who wants to stay in bed and smoke opium or whatever yeah. he was doing. Uh, like he didn't give a fuck. Well, he's, he was put in place by the by like he's a put in place by the United States, of yes. course, right? He's a puppet. That's why he's there, right? Just like the Shah of Iran was put there. Isn't it funny that we are enemies with Iran, even though they have elections, but we're friends with Saudi Arabia, even though they're unbelievably oppressed of theocracies and they murder civilians in Yemen with cluster bombs, which are considered a, a war crime, which we manufacture in the United States, and yet we wag our finger at terrorists and pretend someone's worse than us. Yeah, yeah, man, you mean the illegal war that Chelsea Manning reported and then it got her thrown in jail? That is correct. Okay, good. Make sure I had the right war. Just so people know, cluster bombs kill civilians. They don't kill anyone else. 90% of all the people killed with cluster bombs are civilians. We manufacture them in the United States. They're considered a war crime by the rest of the world, except for us and Saudi Arabia, because we manufacture them and then we sell them to Saudi Arabia and then they drop them on fishing villages in Yemen, the poorest people in the world. That it currently has a... Uh food crisis right oh people are starving yeah, because starving. they have a blockade against them mm-hmm. so this is again you guys th- just did a show together didn't yes you? we just <laughs> <laughs> so we won't turn this into uh, our right. YouTube show. I'm sorry. watch I, war machine I, I, I think we got it watch yeah. war machine and then watch the jimmy door show and political vigilante yeah. and get more of this fine conversation <laughs> and wake up and then you'll have so. your phone tapped by the cia which uh that's definitely happening so I got invited uh, to go on Iranian TV. You don't think they saw that fucking email? <laughs> you said they oh, saw you that and Dean Haglin. So <laughs> just remember, they have every email, every text, and every phone call that everyone in the country makes. Whenever they make it, they have it. And so that, as Chris Hedges says, that is not the definition of liberty. That is the relationship a slave has with its master. And your website? JimmyDoreComedy.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank All you right. guys so much that for listening to the show. show. Thanks, uh, Jimmy. Thanks, thank Jimmy. Th- thanks for having me out to talk about films. Yes. Thank, uh, <laughs> thank you for bringing the miserable liberal <laughs> and Aaron Brungart. Uh, my name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first.